You have found the Lions College Football Podcast. It is week five in the world of college football. My name is Steven Andrus, managing editor of the Lions.com, joined every week on this show by the Lions College Football writer Brett Gibbons. Brett, great week last week, except for a couple of backdoors. Yeah, it was shaping out to be a really great week. Uh, and then Florida and Washington State both hit the backdoor cover at the end when, in, uh, when it didn't matter for either. It was fine. Um, Tennessee minus nine and a half was looking great the whole time. Washington State was the proper side, though. Let's be honest. Like, Oregon was the one that was backdooring the heck out of that. And then justice was served, if we're being honest. Sure. I... I guess it's the right <laughs> side if you look at it objectively. But when you're an Oregon minus five and a half ticket holder, it was not the right side. Um, it happens. We're, we're bearing it in the past. It's fine. We're good. Bad beats come for us all at one time or another. <laughs> but we are still profitable. We roll on here on this show. We're going to break down the college football week five slate, including some weeknight games to get you ready heading into the weekend. And of course, as always, our bets for the Saturday slate as well. We begin with a Thursday night matchup out west in Provo, Utah. Utah State at BYU. This one Thursday, 8 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. BYU is around minus 24 early in the week. We are looking at minus 24 and a half at some spots, minus 25 at DraftKings, and a total of around 60 here. Brett, your thoughts as we head out to BYU. Yeah, besides this being the only Thursday game, uh, I wanted to bring it up for a very specific reason, and that's because this could be uh, the ultimate trap game for BYU. They have a neutral site against Notre Dame next week. They have that extra kind of, you know, they're playing Thursday and they won't play again until next uh, Saturday. And a lot of people could look at that on paper and be like, oh, Utah State, Utah State's going to jump them and bite them. It actually happened to BYU last year. They lost to Boise State in between a game against, at the time, a ranked Utah State and going on the road to Baylor. So if you look at it just in an isolated vacuum, this could be a trap game for BYU. I'm here to pump the brakes on that. And that's why I wanted to talk about this game because BYU is returning three defensive starters and their top wide receiver, Chase Roberts, who hasn't played yet this season. He suffered, uh, suffered a lacerated kidney, I believe mm. was the injury in camp. That, and that's the Andrew Luck special. That's gross. It feels like it would hurt. So he hasn't played this year, but he is returning for this game. They're also returning three pretty prolific defensive starters. Um, and then the other factor of this equation is Utah State is so bad. They are last in the country in EPA margin per game. Uh, that's minus 20 and a half points per game for those counting. They've been outscored 144 to 38 outside of one second quarter against UConn in week zero. So you remove that one quarter and they're being outscored 144 to 38 on the season, including a 35 to seven loss against Weber State. Uh, they're in the FCS. That's so bad. Logan Bonner has more interceptions thrown than touchdown passes. Um, and Utah State's one of the most penalized teams in the FBS. So when you're talking about upset specials, when you're talking about those trap games, you cannot have a team that beats themselves and Utah State beats themselves. So I'm just here to put out a little warning. Hey, putting your money on Utah State might be uh, a dicey proposition because they can beat themselves. 
Yeah, not exactly the team you want to back uh, with a lack of horses to help you cover that spread and a letdown spot here for sure. I think you talked about it in, in your post. This might be a good spot to kind of just sit back for a minute, look at how this game's playing out. If if BYU gets off to a slow start, it might be an opportunity to hit them on the live spread here. Yeah, you certainly can. Um, I'm not sure how much the line's going to react early on, though, especially with how yeah. bad Utah State's been. So I don't know if there's going to be a ton of value um, if you see Utah State come out of the gate swinging and that line is a little lethargic to move, I wouldn't mind betting on Utah State live, but you have to see it first. Make sure they don't come out and just get their doors, doors blown off. Friday night in the Pac-12, a conference battle between Washington and unbeaten UCLA. Chip Kelly and the Bruins are three-point home underdogs Friday night, 10.30 p.m., on ESPN this one has moved off of Washington minus three and a half if we look at the total in this game we are at 65 and a half 66 depending on where you shop here Brett let's get into this Chip Kelly despite being unbeaten still a home underdog in a conference matchup it's it's important to note and it's very significant that this line moved off Washington minus three and the hook because that represents a 17 point uh, push rate And, you know, as small as a half point movement is, it's very significant, actually the most significant line movement you can have in football. So just keep that in mind uh, and and watch to see maybe Washington minus two and a half might pop. So if you're back in the Huskies, have a little bit of patience there. Otherwise, three is probably the right play if you're on that side. Now, power ratings are just a complete mess for both of these teams. We have Washington on the SP plus is a 24th on the FPI. They're 19th and Sagarin has them 11th. Uh, UCLA is 19th in the SP plus, which is large and by far their highest rating on the FPI. They're 38th and Sagarin, they're 42nd. Uh, There's been a lot of, I don't know if fraud talk is really the right way of spinning it, but I don't think UCLA is as good as their record says that they are. Their strength of schedule is 128th per FPI. They played Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, which they probably should have lost to, and Colorado. Uh, if you watch that South Alabama game, UCLA was just getting d- dominated at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Jags were just ripping off seven, eight, nine, ten yard runs, play after play. Uh, and Washington's really good. <laughs> they they're extremely efficient on offense. They've had a different receiver. Uh, lead the team in yardage each game against the FBS teams. They're fifth in points per drive, 11th in EPA per play, and they just don't allow sacks. They're seven, they're six, sorry, nationally in sack rate, less than 1% of dropbacks. Michael Penix is getting sacked. So the Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer link up is just, it's magic. And Washington's really good. So I think that's why they're favored on the road. And truth be told, I don't think they're favored by enough. I would probably lay the points with Washington here. Yeah, we're, I'm seeing as we record on on Wednesday here that there are some some juiced UCLA plus threes. So there's a chance that this could move off the three. So I, I would suggest if you're going to back Washington, just wait and shop around and see if a, a minus two and a half pops up here. And if it doesn't, maybe even wait uh, early in the game. If UCLA gets an early score, then you're definitely going to get under that key number of three on the live look. Um, would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. If you wanted to wait, I don't know if I wanted to wait to live again, because I just think the live line would be lethargic. And if UCLA comes out and scores right off the bat, 
I'm actually going to be more concerned about Washington in that game than if it goes the way that I think it will pregame. Now, I'm not a huge live better. I like to get those right. lines in beforehand uh, just because wonky things can happen if you're a bit reactionary in that. Um, but if this moves to two and a half pregame, though, what are your thoughts? I'm firing. I, I, I'm comfortable firing at minus three. And if it moves to two and a half, absolutely. I, I wouldn't think twice. Just take your money and run. Love it. The Washington Huskies are about five points better via ESPN's FPI on a neutral field. Uh, I guess you can give two points of home field for UCLA, but if you've seen some of the crowd shots on Twitter, oh, like I'm not sure they have a home field advantage, Gibbons. No, they really don't in the Rose Bowl in terms of atmosphere, uh, but there are a ton of factors that go into the home field advantage, like they don't have to travel and they don't, you know, right. they're sleeping in their own beds at night. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into that, particularly with student athletes that you don't really see in pro athletes because pro athletes are more conditioned to it, have been doing it for longer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not terribly inspired by them playing in the Rose Bowl. Fair enough. Let's move on to the Saturday slate here. Oklahoma at TCU to kick us off noon Eastern time on ABC. Oklahoma, a six and a half point road favorite. The total in this one, 68 and a half across the board. How do you see this one? Take your Oklahoma ticket and run. Don't look back. Oklahoma minus six and a half. I I, I grabbed it as soon as I saw that. Uh, Oklahoma's won eight straight meetings by an average of 14 and a half points. Now, that average margin is a little bit misleading because they've destroyed TCU in the past. And in like the 2015, 2016 kind of peak Gary Patterson years, uh, TCU is playing them a lot tougher. Oklahoma's going to walk into Fort Worth and, and just trash them. And one of the biggest reasons is because TCU is going to be playing two quarterbacks from the mouth of coach Sonny Dykes. Max Duggan will start, but Chandler Morris is going to play. And my question is Why? What are we doing? Have we not learned that two quarterback things don't work? Now, I understand not starting Chandler Morris. He's been banged up. He's been hurt. I talked to people that cover TCU, and they said that he was looking hobbled. He was looking a little ginger when they played SMU. So just sit him then. Either play him and start him or don't. He gives you the higher ceiling. He does have a lower floor than Duggan. Duggan is the more experienced quarterback. So it's probably the right play. The healthier, more experienced guy. Don't don't put Morris in there. Don't do a two quarterback thing. And and that's the most concerning thing to me. Not even that. I think Oklahoma is a lot better. Um, my power ranking aggregate has Oklahoma favored by nine on the road. Um, and really quick, that takes into account FPI, uh, Football Outsiders, FBI, SP Plus, a few others. Um, because I don't want to just look at just one power rating. So I like to take the aggregate. Still favors the Sooners by nine on the road, even after the loss last week. There hasn't been any line movement. Um, I think that that might be a little bit concerning with how eager I am to get on the six and a half. But again, six and a half to seven, that's moving to a key figure. That's a big line uh, move. So I don't know if we'll see it. I just think that Oklahoma's offense is better. Uh, their defense is playing pretty well. And I don't think TCU has the guys to, to keep up with this team. Do you like the spot here? Are you are you somebody who likes to look at spots too? I mean, Oklahoma coming off a disappointing loss as a two touchdown favorite at home against Kansas State here as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, I think that when you're looking at well coached teams and teams that are talented, um, you can kind of assert it as like a a get right, a net crack, a okay guys, 
we got got. Now let's go out there and show everyone, hey, we're still really good uh, and just walk into TCU and just beat this team up and down. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Let's head over to the SEC, Kentucky at Ole Miss. This one, another noon kickoff Saturday on ESPN, over under around 54 and a half. Ole Miss around a six and a half point favorite. Uh, Kentucky upsets Florida. I know people around my neck of the woods here in, in Louisville. There's about half Louisville, half Kentucky fans. And, um, you know, the rest of the state here, obviously, big Kentucky. This is one of the best teams they've had in a while, man. And this is a very impressive team, but six and a half on the road at Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm waiting for a, a, a seven to pop. I don't think that's going to happen. It hasn't yet. Uh, and I think there's too much sentiment around Kentucky being a well-coached and very good football team. Uh, that I don't think it's it's going to pop at seven. So I'm actually not going to bet it. If I do see a seven, I'll fire Kentucky plus seven. Uh, but if I don't see it, I'm I'm probably holding off on that. Um, and, and this this is where I'd like to to kind of pass off some be careful, a little bit of a warning. Don't ever say that this number is good enough. If you're looking for a number, particularly if it's a key figure three, seven, ten, etc. Uh, do not say, oh, okay, fine. I'll just take the six and a half. No, no. If you don't find that seven or you don't find that three that you like, don't bet it because that that's, that's a losing, that that's a losing strategy. So I'm not betting this game unless I see that seven. Uh, the Wildcats are returning Chris Rodriguez, who hasn't played yet this season. He's a prolific running back. He got into some offseason trouble, uh, and he was disciplined for the first four games of the year. Uh, but he is back against Ole Miss, who also likes to run the football, and they're very good at it uh, behind Zach Evans, who transferred over from TCU in the offseason. Kentucky is significantly worse against the run uh, on defense in the past. They're 53rd in rush defense EPA versus ninth against the pass. And they're 57th in yards per attempt allowed. Um, I think a lot of that does come from Anthony Richardson, you know, uh, ripping off a few chunk plays. But overall, this team does allow the run. They don't allow the pass, but they allow the run. And Ole Miss is going to run the heck out of this ball. Um, Power ratings really like Ole Miss. I'm kind of skeptical. Uh, Tulsa's uh, a feisty team has been in the past, but only beating them by eight is is fairly concerning at home. They also only beat Troy 28-10. And unfortunately, in college football, style points matter. You have to score. You have to blow these teams out. And Ole Miss just hasn't been doing it. They've kind of been letting these guys hang around. Now, they ended the Jeff Collins era by beating Georgia Tech 42-0. Sure, I'm not taking anything from that Georgia Tech game. I think that that team looks yeah. like they've already quit uh, three games, four games into the season. So I'm not terribly excited about Ole Miss this year. And and I it, that could be because I didn't really see them as a huge contender coming into the year. So maybe it's a flaw. 
kind of depends how you see them. But either way, I'm not laying Ole Miss minus six and a half against what I believe to be a better Kentucky team. Um, now, you can point to Kentucky's schedule and being like, wow, they didn't blow these teams out either. They do exactly what they need to do to win. I don't think that's the case with Ole Miss. I think Kentucky already has their tough game under their belt where they beat Florida. They're experienced in these type of games this year, and I take that into account. So I'm going to take Kentucky here if I can find the seven. If I can't find the seven, I'm just going to sit back and watch. But I think Kentucky's a better team. Yeah, I'm with you here. And I think, you know, in past weeks, we have had success looking at the metrics and then trying to get FPI to confirm what we're seeing in the metrics. And and there have been times where the number has seemed off when we do that. And we've pounced on it. Last week, West Virginia, a road short favorite against Virginia Tech, where we thought they should have been a bigger favorite the week before. Iowa versus Iowa State. I played Iowa State because the numbers just didn't add up for them to be a four-point dog. Cash that one. This one, if you look at the numbers, Ole Miss should be a slightly bigger favorite than six and a half if you take into account home field advantage. But what you're saying is absolutely true, that this is this is not a battle-tested team in Ole Miss. Now, could the numbers pan out and be, be accurate? Yeah, we'll see. It's always in the range of outcomes. But to your point, their first four games, Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and Tulsa. They played cupcakes to start the year. Meanwhile, Kentucky has been battle-tested and has looked very good doing it, not only winning at Florida in the swamp, uh, but they've also taken care of business and, and won handily in their other opponents. So they already have a game on their schedule in the SEC where they're battle-tested. So uh, I'm with you there on on Kentucky plus seven, uh, if we can get that number. The other thing I think is, you know, when we have the situation of a team that is locked in, that has already shown that they can beat a a team that is favored in the game and, and doing it on the road, maybe Kentucky first half here for me as well. That's another angle I might look at here. You know, it might take Ole Miss a little bit to get their feet under them. Maybe they come out on top in a 60 minute game, but with how battle tested UK has been, maybe first half here is the angle as well for the cats. Definitely. And well coached teams don't walk into these games and get their doors blown off. That's why I'm really hesitant to lay the points with Ole Miss. And the other thing that well-coached teams do, which Kentucky is, is come out strong to start the game and make a statement to start the game. So I like that first half angle. Yeah, for sure. The the game at Florida, they they were trailing 16-13 at the half, but that was a cover in the first half for Kentucky in that one as a, as a road underdog. So um, good stuff there. Let's move on here on Saturday into the afternoon window. Oklahoma State at Baylor. Baylor, a two-and-a-half point home favorite in this one uh 330 kickoff on fox and if i pull up the total here we are looking at 56 and a half 57 depending on where you shop uh this one another one of your best bets this week brett gibbons you like oklahoma state on the road yeah i do and i was able to capitalize on this last week with baylor being a two and a half point dog at iowa state and they won outright i i like that kind of the under the field goal uh, away road dogs. Um, the aggregate power rankings that I use favor Oklahoma state by four and a half, even on the road. Uh, and I know we just talked about putting that in context. Oklahoma state is a good football team. They're playing extremely well and Baylor's pretty good too. I just like them to walk in, especially under that field goal. We've seen some movement actually toward Oklahoma state. Some places have popped a, a Baylor minus two, uh, which indicates just a little bit of movement toward Oklahoma state. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of confirmation bias there, I think. Um, 
Oklahoma State is a much better passing team than they are a rushing team. And Baylor's markedly worse defending the pass and the run. They're 72nd in pass success rate so far in the season on defense. So it's a good matchup for Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders. I think that this is a team that knows how to walk into a tough environment, that knows how to win those hard football games. And I'm not a big revenge narrative type of thing. That's such a flawed way of thinking of things. But these two came down to the wire in the Big 12 championship game and Baylor lost a ton and has seen some regression. And Oklahoma State hasn't seen much regression despite what they lost on defense. It looks like they've actually taken a step forward. So for taking these two teams, one takes a step forward and was already as close as it was in Arlington at the end of last year. I really like Oklahoma State in this road spot. For sure. And our Baylor already lost at BYU earlier this year in that game. BYU um, wasn't able to really run the ball against Baylor, only 2.5 yards per rush. But that's that's not the situation here with Oklahoma State, you're saying. No, I, running on Baylor's tough. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to lean into the run game a whole lot. It's a tough thing. I think they're going to put the ball in Spencer Sanders' hands and let him just kind of fly with it. Uh, Cowboys fans know you live by Spencer Sanders and you die by Spencer Sanders. So I'm rolling the dice on this being a game where you live by Spencer Sanders. Fair enough. BYU did uh, gash Baylor for 7.1 yards per pass in that win against Baylor uh, earlier this year. Another 3.30 kickoff, this one on FS1, Michigan State at Maryland. And uh, Michigan State, man, they... The expectations were high. They were ranked in the top 20. They've they've come down a little bit. Now at Maryland, they are a seven and a half point road dog with a total of 60 and a half. Overreaction on Michigan State the past two weeks or justified? <sighs> TBD. <laughs> I, I don't really yeah, know what to make yeah. of Michigan State because they played Washington and I think Washington's good. And then they played Minnesota and Minnesota is quietly playing the some of the best love football. Minnesota. Oh my man. gosh. Well, yeah, they're they're first in points per drive, first in net points per drive. They're like top three in EPA in every category. They're playing outstanding football. And it wasn't a product of their schedule because they just beat the crap out of Michigan State on the road. So I think Michigan State, I don't know. I don't know if they're really that bad or not. I guess we'll find out in this matchup. Now, the seven and a half points is interesting because we have a pair of injuries on Maryland that could seriously change the outlook of this game. Uh, Talia, I believe it's Talia, Tagovailoa is a game-time decision, and so is Rakeem Jarrett, the prolific wide receiver. Both of them are game-time decisions after getting banged up against Michigan. That's concerning, but because this line has stayed at 7.5 and and not moved toward Michigan State, that tells me that people that are in tune with Maryland know something about their statuses or or are optimistic that they're going to play. So I'm going to treat this game as if these two are playing because the line movement and the market is telling me that they're probably going to play. So if they play, Maryland is a very good football team. Uh, they not only played with Michigan, I think they outplayed Michigan. Uh, they had some terrible turnover luck. Bill Connolly releases uh, post-game box scores and shows Turnovers versus expected turnovers. And Maryland had an expected turnover uh, metric of 0.4, but they had three turnovers. And uh, Michigan had half of the turnovers that the box score said was expected of that game. So turnover-worthy plays. Michigan had a lot of turnover luck in that. 
Uh, one thing to be concerned about, though, with the Terps is uh, that Blake Corum rushed the ball 30 times for 243 yards and a pair of touchdowns. They gassed him for 8.1 yards per carry. Run defense, not that great. Good news, Michigan State can't run the football. They're 103rd in the country in rush EPA per play. So I'm not terribly concerned about that. And Maryland's been pretty decent against the pass. Peyton Thorne's been on and off, uh, sometimes good, sometimes really, really bad in his career. So it depends which one shows up. But again, the, the most important thing is to look at the status of Tagovailoa and Rakeem Jarrett. If they don't play, I'm not making a play on this game. But again, the market's kind of hinting that they're trending toward playing or the market expects them to play because this line movement is here. But like we saw in the NFL recently with uh, the Chargers and Justin Herbert, that line could move really fast if we see that they're not practicing leading up till kickoff. Gibbons, while I, I lay out why I think I'm going to take the points here on Michigan State, oh, no. see if you can pull up. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> see, while I'm while I'm explaining this, see if you can pull up the difference between these two teams according to SP Plus, because I'm curious if if it's close or very different than FPI. ESPN FPI has these two teams pretty darn close, only two points apart. Maryland favored by two on a neutral field. And we're getting a spread here on Michigan State that's seven and a half. Now, I understand the past two weeks, Michigan State has lost and didn't look particularly good doing it. Tough mat, tough road matchup all the way out in the Pacific Northwest against a quarterback they've had trouble with in the past. And a team in Minnesota that is apparently, all stats are telling us, one of the top 10 teams in the country potentially here. So perhaps a, a nice buy low spot here on Michigan State to bounce back. And we don't need them to win the game. We just need them to stay within a possession. There's there's an eight out there now on Michigan State as well. Actually, more eights than seven and a half. So clearly uh, the market disagrees with what I'm saying here. And, um, you know, I reserve the right to change my opinion here. But what, what does SP Plus tell us here, Gibbons, about this? A point and a half on a neutral field. So wow, so yeah, it's the, close to the same. Yeah, the power ratings really do like that. But again, doesn't that market holding and moving toward Maryland? Sure. You know, and and you could read that two different ways. You know, you can read it as okay, they're very firm on Maryland. We've seen it specifically with Michigan State twice, where the line's been moving away from them. But we're like, no, no. We're on Michigan State, and then we're like, oh, wow, that was the wrong side. Now, we could see it that way, or we could see it the other way in that this is just an overreaction to how poorly Michigan State's played in the past two games. One other thing that people should keep in mind, too, because Gibbons makes a good point about market movement, and and Max bets are moving this towards Maryland, but Max bets in the middle of the week are lower limits than they are closer to kickoff. So... I am curious if we see some buyback here when the limits go up closer to the weekend. In my opinion, that is the stronger opinion than a midweek line movement. So that's important context for everybody out there if you're trying to track the line movement based on sharp money. And this goes for the NFL as well. Line movement closer to kickoff carries a lot more weight than line movement earlier in the week. So just keep that in mind. So we'll see what happens with this line. But right now, middle of the week, it is moving towards Maryland. And I feel comfortable taking Michigan at plus eight here in the middle of the week. And we'll see what the rest of the week uh, plays out with the line movement as as limits go up at books across the world. Yeah. And injuries are tough to track in college because colleges aren't required and don't release injury reports. So you really That's have the to other follow danger the beat. Too, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the other danger with these Maryland injuries. Right. But but I also think that again, if, if Tualia was, was leaning toward not playing, I really think that we would see movement toward Michigan state unless the books are just like, Oh, we'll just keep taking money on Maryland. Even if we think he's not going to play. Virginia Tech at North Carolina, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. This one on CBS, the Tar Heels, 10.5-point home favorites after Virginia Tech laid a weeknight Thursday night egg at home against West Virginia. Over-under in this one, 51.5, and that's where your eyes went when you saw these odds. It did. And Virginia Tech's a really bad football team, aren't they? It's just, it's, it's not, yeah, a, it was great. It's it was not great. a pleasure watching them play <laughs> offense. Um, well, I thought it was a very, I, I, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> well, of watching course, them if, last if, yeah, if, if you're holding the tickets, uh, boy, that was almost a backdoor too with that pick six. I thought we, I thought we were going to hit the over. <laughs> I was not happy about that. Um, but yeah, it, it's just not a joy watching Virginia Tech play offense. And that's why I'm going to take the over in this game. <laughs> backwards logic um yeah wait, wait what I, I i thought my brain didn't hear that correctly you're, no, you explain heard it correctly. yourself I, sir yeah i'm going with the over because as bad as virginia tech is at offense unc is actually worse at defense if that's even possible to believe uh gene chizik so far has wrote himself uh, a really good argument to be fired after four games Will this one do it? Maybe if Virginia Tech hangs 35 on him, we'll see. Um, this is a game between two half teams in that Virginia Tech does not have an offense and North Carolina does not have a defense. But I believe it's easier to move the ball and improve your offense game to game than it is to improve your defense game to game. Um, everyone can score given the right circumstances. I hope. Boy, Virginia Tech, don't prove me wrong here. Um, they, they can't run the football. The Hokies just can't. They're 130th in rushing EPA. That's that's just so bad. They got dominated at the line of scrimmage. You watched that West Virginia game. Uh, they were just getting pushed around all over the place. But they did make West Virginia look really good. Um, and I think we forget that like West Virginia is not that good a football team. They looked great against Virginia Tech, but they're not good. Um, so I think that, that the way that Virginia Tech played... Now they're playing this offense in North Carolina with Drake May. That's terrific. That can light up the scoreboard all day and night. But again, we saw it with Notre Dame. And I know Notre Dame has better players. They have better play callers. They're just overall better on offense. But like they they went from not scoring anything to hanging 42 on North Carolina. So yeah, I really think yeah, 45, right. And I, so I think Virginia Tech is going to be able to score their fair points. Now, if you have a team that scores at a clip like North Carolina, and another team that should be able to score because UNC's defense is so bad. 51 and a half is, is a pretty low total. And I think something we can really capitalize on. Virginia Tech season high in points, 27 against Boston College and Wofford. I'll Always take 27. Scores. Okay, that'll get you to the over. But that will get you to the over. BC or Wofford, man. Although, hey, maybe uh, North Carolina's defense I don't know. Is that I, I think I would take Boston College's defense over North Carolina. TBD on Wofford. But you get you're telling me Virginia Tech scores just 20 points. North Carolina is oh, going to make up the other 31 and a half. I I'll, I love the over in this one. The names of the teams made my instant reaction be like, they can't be that bad. And I'm like, oh, oh man, they, they might be, be that bad. <laughs> I mean, Virginia Tech lost the Old Dominion too. Hey, just score points, man. That's all we're asking. We don't need you to win the game. Just score like three right. touchdowns and we're good. And, and one thing to, to keep an eye on, 
Uh, usually with, with, uh, with Hurricane Ian making its way up the coast, this is going to bring rain to Chapel Hill for this game, which usually would mm. scare people off of high totals. Mm-mm. Virginia Tech is so mistake prone that that rain is going to add a factor of higher turnovers. They've, well, mm-hmm. I've already seen them snap a ball over their uh, holder's head on a, on a field goal that was picked up or returned for a touchdown against ODU. So more havoc plays, more chaos. That leads to points. Listen, Virginia Tech. Either you score touchdowns or you give up defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns. That's all we're asking. Either be great or be terrible. That's all we need. Don't be don't be lukewarm. Nobody no. likes lukewarm. No. Prime time on ABC, 7.30 p.m. kickoff. NC State at Clemson. This one's going to go a long way to determining who plays in the ACC championship game. Clemson, a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. A very low total here of 40 but there's a good reason for that. At least we initially there was a good reason, and you might think otherwise. Yeah, 40 is really low for these two teams, uh, and that's in response to the hurricane coming up and, and probably wreaking havoc on Clemson. I, I don't think the conditions are going to be great, but they are going to be improving. And the fact that this game is later in the day, uh, the winds are going to die down a little bit, forecasted to, and, and the rain's going to begin to taper off. So I think that this is a great opportunity to jump on the over because this line has fallen a lot in response to these, what they were supposed to be deteriorating conditions. Now, the fact that they haven't moved the time of this game, I know it's on prime time, but a lot of other teams have moved their games around tells you a lot that they think it's going to be okay. And with run centric teams and teams that are very good at running the ball, like Clemson and will Shipley, the rain and the wind really isn't going to affect their offensive output that much. And again, 40 points, 21 to 20, bam, over. That That's all we're asking for here for two competent and talented offenses. Now, they are going up against talented and competent defenses. But how good is Clemson's defense actually? They were supposed to be this top one, top two unit behind an otherworldly defensive line, and the numbers just don't back it up. Even if you look outside of that Wake Forest game, which they gave up a ton of points uh, to Sam Hartman and crew, they're just they're average. They're 48th in success rate. They're flat out bad against the pass. Again, other than that Wake Forest game, they gave up over 300 passing yards to Louisiana Tech. Uh, okay, at home. Um, I'm actually kind of concerned about Clemson's defense if you're backing them. Um, but that's a good that's good news for the over. <laughs> like both teams are talented enough to score on the other's defenses, which NC State's defense is is, is very good. Um, they're very good against a pass, particularly their 13th and EPA per play. Uh, and boy, d- don't, don't buy into to DJU's 300 plus what, whatever he went for against wake, uh, bet on the mean. I've talked about it a lot this week in my write-ups. You play the mean. If you play to a team's ceiling or to a team's floor, you are going to fall victim to losses. It's, it's a losing effort because if you play your one best game, in the year, stick with me here on a, on a little bit of math. I know it's not great for the audio, but you play one best game a year out of 12 games. That's 8.3%. So you're rolling the dice on DJU, his top 8.3% because he can only play one best game. And I firmly believe that, that best game is in the past. That Wake Forest game is the best he's going to play all season. So you're trying to bet into this middle and DJU's middle is bad. He's just not that good a quarterback. So they're going to lean into their run game more. You can run on NC State. NC State's going to be able to move the football against Clemson's defense because I don't think it's as good as as 
uh, is advertised and with a high EPA, but a lower success rate, that's telling me that uh, NC state's moving the ball down the field more often. So I like the over on this just because it fell so low and I don't think the weather conditions are going to be that bad. I might try to look at NC state here. I don't think it's going to climb to seven. If I can get seven, I might fire NC state on the road. I think there's a chance. I mean, if if you are not alone in your opinion that they the weather is going to going to be not as bad as initially expected, you know, first of all, the total crashed from 46 down to 40. So the over, you're getting the best of the number here, lot which is always <laughs> which is always great practice. So, and as we record on on Wednesday morning, for for what it's worth, the the wind is not a big factor. It seems on mm-hmm. on Saturday no. night at Clemson, we're looking at less than 10 mile per hour winds. Uh, in this game, which is more of an issue for a football game than the precipitation, unless it's just a complete monsoon. But um, to to your point, around kickoff, we're looking at 70% chance of rain going down under 65%. So as the night goes on, less and less chance of rain. So keep an eye on that rain forecast. But the wind is, is what's Nice to see for me in betting this over that the wind is going to be less than 10 miles per hour. That's basically a non-factor when it comes to the wind. Now, the spread have, have, may have also been affected by this, too. It's not just totals that get that crash when you have weather and precipitation chances. It spreads as well. And this was eight. Uh, Clemson minus eight at open. We're down to six and a half now. I think that's a comment on the weather as well. If we get this back up to seven, maybe even seven and a half here, Gibbons. Uh, that that's a buy spot for you for NC State. I think so. I, I think NC State, what they've proven in metrics is that their defense is about on par with Clemson's, if not playing better. I don't. I'm not going to say they're more talented. That's not true. Uh, and I have more faith in their offense, more faith in their quarterback than I do in Clemson and DJU. Fair enough. As always, all of our content, all of our information is completely free at thelines.com. Be sure to check out the link in the description for the latest sportsbook bonus offers. You can also go to play.thelines.com for free contests for college football, NFL season, other sports. Try and win some Amazon gift cards and other great prizes. Hit that button in the top right-hand corner of thelines.com homepage. It's our Discord button. It's a great community of betters for football, for basketball, all season long. Eli Hershkovich is going to be there for college basketball season as well. So it's it's free to join. We're dropping our bets in there as we make them so we get the best of the numbers for our community. And all of our members are, are having great conversations, great back and forth, and discussing how they want to play certain games. And lastly, uh, just be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Let us know in the comments who you are betting on this week of the college football season. For Brett, I'm Steven. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.